man, I want to say a couple of weeks before spring ball, they put it on us on that Friday, all gas, no breaks, and we seen them. We was like, man, this is this is real. They're not playing with us. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hey, welcome back to yet another and long overdue episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Hannah. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky, and this is Fire the Cannon. Okay, yes, uh, Hannah, it is long overdue. It's been a minute since we've talked. We have a lot to catch up on. Uh, Texas football had their spring game. We have the NFL draft this week, and there's several Longhorns who are up to be drafted. We have Texas volleyball competing for a national championship. All the the hype right now, baseball coming through, playing big. Megan's going to tell us all about everything we love about the baseball team. Basketball, men and women, lots happening with new coaches. And women made it to the Elite Eight. We'll get into a little bit of Kim Mulkey if we have time for some fun. All right. First of all, it's been a minute since we've chatted. Hannah, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just um, We've done a lot of uh, yard work. Um, our yard was probably one of the saddest things about this house when we moved in. And um, <laughs> it's, <a sad> um, <laughs> it's, um, it's come a long way, but I don't know that anybody looking in would know, but it's a lot of like the boring stuff, like filling potholes with dirt and, you know, like moving rocks and stupid stuff like that. But you know what? It's come along. I have a place I can sit uh, at the end of the day or in the morning to drink my coffee on the patio. It's, it's nice. pleasant. I don't get stressed out being about about there anymore so that's that's improvement it's no longer a health hazard so love it that's oh that's good exciting. yeah Megan how you doing listen I'm I'm happy to be here that's that's about what I got for my catch-up for the past <laughs> we're happy you're here <laughs> been, too, been, been, been a rough been a rough couple of weeks for me uh of course as some of y'all know that hailstorm that came through Austin you know missed some people hit missed Cedar us. Park real hard Miss Taylor hit Pflugerville and Maynard out where I'm at pretty hard and it's looking more and more like both of my vehicles that were outside are, are pretty well in totaled, including poor Clyde. But oh, classic Clyde. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Clyde will ride again, man. But uh, <laughs> well, fund me. Clyde will ride. Clyde will ride. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, other than that, just uh, keeping it up with the Longhorns and little smokes is getting pretty big and 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 they're a lot of fun, man. But that's about all I got. I'm kind of boring. <laughs> Rocky, how about you? What's going on in your world? Well, I'm finishing up with school. I have stuff. I just checked a grade. I have a rewrite to do. <laughs> I thought it was done. I'm not. Um, and then uh, we closed on our house in Mexico. So Hell we get yeah. to do some fun stuff with that. We got work going already on that. If you've seen some pictures, they're working hard to make that a cool place for us. That's it. Just no big deal. You know, getting her PhD, bought a second house in Mexico. It's cool. No, Which I, am. <laughs> you know I, I, I love it. I think it's, dude, you, you deserve all that. You bust your ass. I love it. Yeah, oh, for real. And act like I'm not going to be just hanging out in Mexico oh, everybody's all the coming. time. Everybody's <laughs> um, I mean, I already thought this, that I hit the jackpot when I met you two, you know, as far as friends go, but the, the little asterisk that you now own a vacation home in Mexico <laughs> in the Riviera Maya. Like it is a pretty, pretty awesome perk. 
to the friendship. So I, uh, yep, uh-huh. I have no you shame in that. I mean, I you just need a friend with a house. It's like a boat, <laughs> boat, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to own the boat. You just need a friend with a boat. Well, we got a friend with a house in Mexico. It's awesome. It's, come on, party in, party in Mexico. And Mex- Megan and I will definitely be going and hanging out for a time in Mexico. And Well, where you guys did go without me, because <laughs> I was in San Antonio at my oh, daughter. My daughter's competition. I didn't get to go to the spring game. And when they announced the schedule, I was, I was devastated. (laughs) And I was even hoping maybe they push a night game so that I could drive back and forth from San Antonio because I totally would have did that. But no, my daughter competed at 1240 in San Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) Just no way to make it happen. But I did watch it online. Uh, um, So let's talk about it. Tell me first, you were there, both of you there. What was the atmosphere? Tell me about the crowd. Tell me about the atmosphere. Man. The vibe. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, there wasn't all the the pomp and circumstance that there have been in past spring games because we're still kind of dealing with the coronavirus thing. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, I feel like people were there and they were excited and there, there felt like, and listen, I know, I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid. We have this conversation every time, but every year. <laughs> it, it feels like it's this cool combination of people are ready for football again. And I think everybody's starting to kind of come out of their pandemic shells. And I think folks are just ready for some normalcy. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, with the normal hype of orange and white game, I, I, it felt different. There were, there were a ton of people in the stands. They had the upper decks closed off, which right. I thought was interesting. So yeah. they were keeping people, you know, obviously outside, but well, in they the weren't expecting a hundred thousand either. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was a solid crowd. I haven't, I heard 25 to 30 is what they said. on TV. Yeah, like, absolutely reasonable. Well, when yeah. we first got there, I turned to Megan and said, I think that there's, cause you know, we were all at the opener. There's was definitely more, there were definitely more people there on Saturday than there were like for any of the home games, like just last year. And I get it. Like people are vaccinated. We're excited. It's outside. Like there is an element of like letting your hair down a bit and kind of getting back to normalcy. But like, it was, I, I thought the atmosphere was great. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I have Evo to- is there. Like everybody was there. Like everybody on the streets were, I mean, hooting and hollering. People were in good mood. Yeah. And and I think, you know, again, the fans seemed excited. I think we we're all excited to see. There have been so many changes, right? Mm-hmm. Whole, whole new coaching staff. We just picked up a, a ton of kids. Recruiting since Sark has been here has it been, you know, we've been in steam. That yeah. Sark After Dark movement is <laughs> my favorite thing. You know, um, I have to say, I'm going to say this isn't football necessarily related. And I'm probably in the minority here, perhaps. I thought the South End Zone looked awesome. The giant uterus? Yeah, man, listen. (laughs) It looks less uterus. The best result you have is that our logo looks like the thing that gives all life to everything. Cool, man. I'm good with it. like being birthed (laughs) out of the Longhorns I don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, it's gorgeous. And I think it looked good. I thought thought the logo looked like a Longhorn logo. uh, You know, it's not as sharp, you know, as you might've thought with the initial renderings. Mm-hmm. So graphic designer wise, I walked in, I was like, man, this is going to be freaking impressive mm-hmm. when people walk in. When, and when it lights up. Yeah. When it lights up and there's smoke coming out. We're being Night games are going to be. Out. Yeah. I think it's going to be on point. I, I'm really excited about it. I know there've been a ton of. <laughs> no, it's gorgeous. There's a, there's a ton of haters yeah. about it, but in my mind, I, I dug it. I thought it was really cool. Name me one other stadium or anything like where the logo of the school is literally built in to the structure of the, right. the stadium that's pretty any. cool that's pretty cool. yeah it's unique so, and again we've got one of the most recognizable logos in all of sports not just why not blow it up and shove it in your face all of sports why not just like sark said in his introductory press conference right part of the reason he chose to come to texas is you don't say no to the tradition you don't say no to the the logo the iconic longhorn logo in the burn orange and white right so 
let's run with it, man. We got the yeah. money. So, awesome. Let's run. You know, and a lot of a lot of the reason everybody was so excited and showing up is because um, Coach Sarkeesian has expectations are high, energy is high. He's done a lot with the new hires and a lot of talk about his scheme. And of course, we all know what he did at Alabama. So I think everybody was ready for like a sneak peek behind the curtain at like what's to come. Had that on display. Real quick, let me fire a question at you two. Yes. What was your biggest surprise, you know, position unit um, of the day and then positive surprise and then like uh, concerning surprise? What, what are our hot takes basically, right? Yeah, go. Okay, sure. yeah, overall. All right, I'll go. I was most impressed and excited, excited, excited about the D-line and linebacking core. That like all the pressure up front. We had the keyword, we had pressure. And I know it was vanilla and I know the QBs had to. Right, right. They didn't get to like be mobile and anything close to a touch was, you know, was a sack because they counted nine sacks. But the pressure that was there and all the disguising, all the different, uh, they were very versatile. You know, like they had all the different looks, like three down, oh, four down. Yeah. And I know everybody was still pretty vanilla, but I was really, really happy with the two young linebackers, Prince Dorba and Gabenda, David Gabenda. Mm -hmm. They led the team on each of their orange and white sides. They led in tackles for the freshmen. And I know now we have some big time transfers coming in, some linebacker transfers. We'll get to that, but... I was really excited that the young, the young ones showed out. Mm -hmm. That was what I was excited for on the defense, on the offense. Oh, also defense excited for Brendan Schooler. Yeah. Who got big praise from Deshaun Jameson for being a ball. Switching sides, sides of the, of the ball. ball. Yeah. Right. Offense, I'm all about Kai Money. Like he he's does nothing but produce and perform. And he was the most consistent kid out there on the on the wide receiving court last Saturday. Five catches, 75 yards. I like him. Of course. Not what I'm sure we're all going to have an opinion, but no quarterback just said, this is my job and I'm taking it. Casey Thompson had to go against the one defense, but cuts and card got, even though he had the twos with him, he had to go against the two defense. And I don't know. I didn't, I, I but I felt like maybe the players do play a little bit harder with Casey Thompson. You, you know, I, I it's interesting know. that you say that. I, because I they thought... mentioned him more when they asked them about the QBs and then they're like, <laughs> I like Casey Thompson does this and this. Um, <laughs> Oh, oh, and then Hudson Carr plays well too. So I don't know how much to read into that. Megan? Yeah, I uh, I definitely thought in the very beginning, my initial like just first 10 minutes of, of the, the spring game, my thought was that Casey felt more crisp and that, I mean, but again, that's going to show up with the experience. He's mm -hmm. been with this team. You know, I, I he's got a little more time under his belt. I thought he was making some incredible passes um, but then as you know, and, and card looked great. I, I don't argue that, but I thought it was an interesting, it, it was an interesting juxtaposition, right? Because we've got Casey that I felt was being more crisp, but then card was being more consistent early mm -hmm. on, in my opinion. And then once the game developed a little bit, then we started seeing some inconsistencies on both sides. Yeah. That's where I came in and said, Ugh, that, that, you know, spring game new quarterbacks, new scheme, new coaching. Okay. I can take all of this with a grain of salt, but still my little, you know, chicken little sky is falling in the back of my head is going, ah, fuck. I would have liked to yeah. see a bit more consistency from one or two. And Hannah, to your point, that separation, I really would have, I would have liked seeing separation between, you know, QB one and QB two, whoever that may be. Yeah. It was interesting because I felt like Megan, you kind of mentioned it. Um, Casey Thompson came out hotter, 
-hmm. Whereas um, Hudson Card, like he took a little bit more time to kind of settle in, it felt like, and find his groove. Um, where Casey came out hot uh, and then, you know, I mean, he had that interception that was way ran back. And then like, they, I mean, they both held on to the ball too long at times. They both had misreads. They both like, you know, probably didn't make, but at the same time, and I like, I'm guilty of this too. Like we have to remember they're learning a new scheme. The quarterbacks, especially like, because they're the, they're, they're, they're the, the driver of this whole thing. So, I mean, there's more that they're having to deal with. And so, and essentially they've had three weeks like to learn, digest and practice, even if it was so vanilla. So those mistakes are going to be there. I don't question. It's a practice. I do wish it is a practice. Uh, After all is said and done, it is a practice and the coaches are thinking of it as a practice. And so it's not going to be like out, like, I mean, you're not going to pluck this thing and like, make it like a big shining. We're not going to be in mid form, you know, no, we're going to be exactly where we're supposed to be three weeks in. So, um, I think I expected, like you said, uh, somebody to kind of stand out a little more that didn't happen. I think, I, I don't, I don't even know who I would say like had the better performance experience does play a lot into it. Now, here's a question. And I know a lot of people were upset that we didn't see Hudson card take any reps whatsoever with the, uh, with the, one. the first team. Yeah. Yeah. Because they do that a lot, especially if there's a quarterback battle in other spring games, but we didn't see, and like what maybe Sarkeesian's reasoning for that would be, you know, I think we can overanalyze, you know, my, my gut okay. feeling is that Casey is, is QB one. Right. And, and I, I felt that before spring game, I feel that at this point in time, that doesn't mean that there isn't a, in my opinion, it doesn't mean there isn't quarterback competition. I think everybody still has that, you know, there's, there's still a, a ton that the, that the guys can differentiate themselves and they're going to have to, because bottom line, if, if our quarterback doesn't separate himself, I, I, I cannot tolerate, I cannot live through another goddamn oh, no. quarterback indecisiveness, right? Like, We've I don't to. think that he has any, like, cause Sarkeesian's never done that before. He doesn't have that tendency. Yeah. I, I, I think we'll have a clear starter. There's going to be controversy. We are uh, here. We are again with this quarterback controversy. Call it controversy. Yes. No, it's, it's a legit battle. It's a legit battle. There's no There's a legit battle. An open position. Again, my gut feeling is that Casey's going to win it out. You know, yeah. I, I just think he's got more advantages coming into this competition than card does. Now, I think Card is an excellent kid to have. I think he's going to develop into an incredible His technicalities are, like, out of this world. I mean, yeah. We saw that on that. Oh, my gosh. And, again, I tweeted about it because, you know, we were sitting on the, south, or the north end zone. It happened in the south. That, like, talk about threading the eye of a needle. That touchdown pass to Marcus Washington was nothing short of spectacular. He threw him open. Yeah. yeah it was really nice. Yeah, like, was, like that would be impressive at the NFL level. Like what he did. That wow. was yeah. gorgeous. And so we yeah. saw what he's capable of. Um, Casey Thompson's naturally, I think more of a leader vocally and in other ways. And then, you know, he's been around the college game longer. He's got the experience game experience and then just learning the speed of the college game. Right. I think, yeah, just uh, that maturity is going to definitely play a factor. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting fall camp though. Well, I also think, um, you know, Casey Thompson, he had Jordan Whittington and Josh Moore and even Bijan as a receiver at some times. And I don't feel like he used, he had the top receivers. It seems like on his side, and I don't feel like he got 
fully out of his receivers that Hudson Card got out of his with Kai Money and Alvante Woodard. I felt like Hudson Card got more, I don't want to say less, I'm just saying more from the second side Mm -hmm. than Casey got out of the first side. However, they did use the run game a little bit more because they had Bijan and even Gabriel Watson was stepping up. So it's hard to, it's, it's hard to judge. And this was what, how do we overthink it? What happened with who performed, who didn't perform? Here's what Sark said. Spring game. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> we good. Spring game. It's spring game. So, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> did we sit and talk about it for an hours and hours? Yes. Is it the end of the world? And does it hold all the weight? Right. No. Right. It's like you said. Well, you know, practice. Well, you know, he, he said over and over and over again before the whole thing, like, this is going to be very vanilla. This is watered down. This is not going to exactly be to the caliber that are in like the complexity of what you see in the fall because we're all still learning each other. Um, And then you have these like very complex questions like, why didn't you do this? And I think like as patient and humbling as Steve Sarkeesian is, at some point he was like, oh my God, spring game. I've already told you so. (laughs) Like, I don't get the impression that he was fed up. I think that was just his his sassy way of being like, spring game and I'm not going to give you or right, because he's been through it. I don't know that shut up, but it was his way of going. I've been over this before. Well, you know who did give us insight on what the real offensive package is and how diverse and creative the real package is? Your man, Hannah Bijan. I was going to say, I listened to this earlier. Yeah, this is what he had to say about the what he's looking forward to and what he loves about the offense. You know, you just can't stop one formation um, or two formations. You know, we have a lot of different things that we can, you know, trick you with or, or bring out. And I feel it's just a hard, a harder office to defend and to try to, you know, try to stop because all of those players can do a lot of things, you know, from even with the running backs catching out the backfield, lining up a receiver. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, different things coming, you know, with the offense uh, to, to get open and to get people, you know, mixed up on defenses. So I feel our offense is, you know, we have lots, a lot of stuff that we that we have. And I know we didn't show it all, but um, when, it, when it comes, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be very effective in the fall. When it comes, it's going to be very effective in the fall. And, and I have to say, yeah. with listening to Bijan, number one, I am forever impressed with his maturity uh, and his really, he, this kid is a football mind. He is mature beyond his years. And I think he's got this great ability to analyze and, uh, and, and really, I mean, it's almost like he's watching tape all the time in his head, but he mm-hmm. can articulate that really well. Yes. Beyond his years, in my opinion. One thing I thought was that I that I heard from both, you know, both players that we saw in the, the presser after the spring game was the intensity was there, right? This isn't the full package for defense or offense. And everything that we've seen over the course of Sark being here, I really feel, again, like that player buy-in is there. I think we saw that uh, post-game. I think we saw that during the game. I mean, guys are going hard. They're ready. That intensity, that was a word that kept popping up. Mm-hmm. Intensity. It, Stark mentioned it. Bijan brought it a few times. Um, we heard it from Jameson afterwards. That yep. intensity was there. And, and I, I think that's something that we've hyped ourselves up as having in the past with previous coaching. But now it really feels like that day by day, like what Stark was harping on as soon as he got here, it's going to be the work you put in every day. The, we come with that mm-hmm. intensity every single day, not just game day. And I, yep. I think we're starting already to see that be reflected even after 15, you know, 15 practices. 
All gas, sure. no brakes. <laughs> um, and real quick, because we just spent a lot of time talking about the offense. I think that what Sarkeesian and the offensive coaches inherited versus what um, Kwiatkowski and his, his unit inherited, I think that the defense as a whole, with the exception of linebacker, is a more complete unit. Does that make sense? Like, a, a more progressed? Than what uh, the offense has. I mean, we still have lots and lots of questions at, well, definitely wide receiver, super, definitely quarterback. Basically, it's the running backs. That's like, okay, that's solid. There's a lot of question marks everywhere else where the defense, there's only just like one position group. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, O-line for once, we're not talking about it. And to me, that's exactly the kind of conversations I want to have from here on out. I want to have a consistent O-line that's doing their job, stepping up. They're in the right positions. They're doing the things they're supposed to do so that we don't notice them, right? Uh We we talk about the, our championship teams, you know, Vince's team, Colt's teams. The O-line is always unsung, but you have to have a solid O-line to have a successful team. You have to have a deep O-line too, because like the way it is, yeah, our our O-line looked better. Yeah. Again, any of those guys get injured, like we're, but again, no, my, my point here lines, is yeah. that we we're not sitting here going, fuck, our guys were way out of position. We we were leaving wide open gaps. I think that the O-line has made this, they've stepped into the roles that they are good at. These coaches have been really good. Flood specifically, obviously, has identified who's doing well and where they mm-hmm. fit in well. And I like yeah. that we don't have to talk about my God, our quarterbacks are running for their lives the whole time because of the, mm. the O-line, right? We definitely see the building blocks for sure of like what's coming. It's the beginning stages. The foundation is just now being laid, but like it's, it, I think the trajectory is bright. For sure. So definitely. yes, I agree with you. There are some holes, uh, question marks at, at wide receiver, but I really thought that Omari stepped up and he mm-hmm. looked really good. Still yeah, for a young guy. Dealing with a little bit of soreness in that knee. But he he looked good. He made some pretty impressive catches. There was yeah. one that he was so close to getting yeah. that just put it anywhere near him. Put it in his yeah. like, right. and it was nice to have Jordan right. Whittington back. Like that, that's a, that's somebody that we missed. And like you know, in the first series, like he came up and like made a pretty good grab. It was after a pretty significant penalty that could have stalled that drive. Right. Bingo, um, yeah. And, and, like, right. and the response by Casey Thompson to you know he, it was a good response to Jordan Whittington. Yeah, and then like Kate Brewer had a pretty big big catch, big, like first down play, uh, in that first drive. So it was nice to see some, some tight end integrations. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up. We saw Wiley, you know, I mean, Wiley's a freaking grown ass man. Why we haven't used him more in the past. The the kid's eager. He's excited. That's a big target. Now disappointing. You you know, I do think we're going to see Wiley a lot more, um, especially since Epps has uh, decided to enter, enter the transfer portal, yeah. um, you know, which is, is a bummer. I wish him all the best. I, w- I was looking forward to watching Epps develop more under this, uh, this feeling, so. we I see a little bit more tight end usage. Um, but again, I think Wiley, I think we're, we're solid with the tight end skill. Connor Helm with that trick play from Kai <laughs> Money. <laughs> I love you, Kai Money. He threw and he took a lick he on did, that hit, but hit. he kept his head up and, and delivered that throw. That was fun. Yeah. That was really fun. Um, so also with you say unsung heroes, yeah. uh Cameron Dicker, right? Dicker, yeah. He just went about business four out of five with a 58 yard long 58 hit. yards. Yeah. In a game like situation. I mean, that's that's crazy, man. And it didn't barely make it. It was like Yes. Yeah. So I, I will say didn't love missing the point after attempt. 
You know, <laughs> that that wasn't my favorite thing. We needed to win there and early. When it was six points at the very beginning, they mm-hmm. went two and didn't get it. It was kind of a weird yeah. trick play. Like, what was that? Yeah. Like, it was, like a, like yeah. It was the no-look basketball hook. Yeah, that it was, was a lot. Like yeah. 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 hook pass. I would say maybe, maybe, maybe we should fun. work on that one a little bit. Never 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 scrap it. Like, but of all no, the trick plays for you to call, that was it? Okay. Yeah, and yes. so yeah, they're having fun. When we were there, we noticed, you know, Bougie's still on the sideline. He He wasn't dressed out. He was there. Um, wasn't wearing a brace on his knee, if I recall, but he certainly wasn't. He's still very much in like the rehab, like. Sure. And one thing that Sark said afterwards is that Cameron Dicker is very much in play Mm -hmm. for For both kicker and punter, which speaks to just how awesome and how talented Dicker is. I mean, you know, I, I had a chance to speak with his mom, uh, last season and she, you know, I asked him how, what's he think of punting? She's like, man, he's loving it. You know, any challenge that he gets, he takes it and runs with it. And he's really loving punting. So, you know, I think we're seeing that come through. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to see Pearson be in there a little bit more. Yeah. So Pearson, that. they averaged, they both, let's see, Dicker averaged 46 yards, a kick. Pearson averaged 49 yards, a kick, a punt, sorry, a punt. Um, so they, they're pretty comparable, but I'm sure whoever's going to be most consistent over the summer camp and fall camp will be the one. Who gets that to gets to go on the field for those? Yeah. Uh, what, do y'all think about, what do y'all think about having the kicker be the punter? You like it, hate I, it? I don't like it when you have a pretty good backup because he's risks injury at right. punting. That's a huge come hit me and kill me right. position. And when <laughs> especially you have as a, aggressive as kick, when you have one of the best kicker kickers be. in the country, yeah. right? Hannah, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would have liked to see Pearson a little bit more. Um, and that yeah, there is the risk of injury, and we've seen that. So, I mean, Bucheski, hello. Speaking trick play mm-hmm. at TCU. That, mm-hmm. was, that was horrible. It was. Um, all right. So one, la- one last thing before we wrap up Texas football talk. Spring game was everybody had a blast. Um, all gas, no breaks. We've talked about this for a while. When, it, when I first heard it, I was like, that is cheesy. That is ridiculous. It's grown on me. I've embraced it. Hey, yes, <laughs> that's guys, marketing guys, 101. Yes. Love it or hate it. You repeat it over and over and eventually You guys it works. loved it <laughs> at the beginning. Keandre Coburn, he's with me. <laughs> he did not love it at the beginning. Let's hear Let's We got to hear some good talk here about all gas, no brakes. So let me tell you. So when they first got here and said that, I'm kind of like, man, this, what is all gas, no brakes? And at first, <laughs> you know, going to the offseason, offseason, they was kind of slowly getting, like, getting us into everything, how they want us to be. And then when, like, Man, I want to say a couple of weeks before spring ball, they put it on us on that Friday, all guys, no breaks. And we seen them. We was like, man, this is this is real. They're not playing with us. They they wanted to go the way they want to go. So we just got to get on board and do whatever they tell us to do. And then practice is literally all guys, no breaks. So when you step on the field, you're going for two hours straight. And then when you get done, then that's when you put the brakes. Like, we don't say no breaks, but that's what we use the brakes. That's why I use the brakes to get more. <laughs> Um, I just like the fact that everybody's, they know, you know, we go on the field, we, we go fast, every play, and we, we learn how to practice. That's what Coach Sarkeesian preached. You, know, you practice good, you play good. And so, I mean, I just go out there and I'm all happy now because I'm used to it now. I can say that a couple of weeks before spring ball, I wasn't used to it. All this all gas, no breaks. But now I feel like I'm, I'm into it now and um, I like it. There you go. We're into it now. We like it. It's about player buy-in. Yeah. It's there you game. go. That intensity coming up. And I, I think that's reflected with the all gas, no breaks thing. Right. You know, we don't need to harp on that too much. There but. were a lot of players wearing the hats, the all gas, no breaks hats. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're buying into it. They, that's pretty fun. All right. So 
keeping with the football, Texas football, NFL draft this week. I'm going to give you guys a couple of draft boards. I looked up about 20 different draft boards this morning. And to get the latest, because draft starts Thursday night, we have six, five players that are probably get what, that are eligible in the draft talk. Cosme, Sam Cosme, offensive tackle, Sam Ellinger, QB, uh, Brennan Eagles, wide receiver, Joseph Asai, edge rusher, and Caden Stearns, safety. Um, most of the boards had Cosme and Osai going in the first or second round. He's Cosme was as high as 21 to the Colts. Um, Osai as high as 30 to the Bills or 31 to the Ravens. I think the Ravens would be a great fit. Or the oh, Seahawks. They have him going to the Seahawks. They have him going to the Raiders. And, there's, and then Eagles. He was in round six on one board. Oh, Denzel Okafor in the list too. He mm-hmm. was around seven in somebody's board. And Ellinger or Stearns, 80 in one board. I only saw one mock draft with Sam Ellinger anywhere in the first seven rounds. But a lot of them don't print all seven. They just print their first one or two or three. I only found one with Ellinger listed round six to the Buccaneers. Hmm. All right. So let's start with uh, Cosme. Thoughts? (laughs) I think Cosme is an incredible talent. Um, You know, something we saw, Hannah, you and I talked about this. And if you want to harp on it a little more. I, I think that's more than welcome. <laughs> kind of some shade being thrown online uh, by some of the folks in the know at the previous regime. I'll, I'll continue to refer to them that way. Um, said that they, uh, Cosme is such an incredible talent that he's essentially been able to power his way through bad coaching. <laughs> that he's been able <laughs> despite to, his coaching. <laughs> despite his coaching, you know, his footwork is lacking. Uh, he's, you know, position isn't always wonderful, but even still, he's an incredible talent that people are projecting to go relatively high in the draft. Yes. So I, I think that says a lot about the previous and it says a ton about Cosme's talent. I think yeah. he's, he's going to, I personally think he's going to be a steal in the draft. Even if he goes a little bit higher, I, I think he's going to turn it on. Yeah, well, and the comment was his technique was just a train wreck. And uh, people commented that it's, yeah, it's amazing that you were able to be as good as you were because like you do everything basically wrong. So I, yeah, and that's not shade toward Cosme himself as much as it is like, what has been going on the last couple of years at, anyway whatever we could go on all day, but hopefully, yeah, we need to see some Texas players in the first round. I hope both of them go in the first round, just, you know, I think that helps with recruiting and like other things, but yeah, I mean, I want to see our players do well. It'll be interesting to see where he lands, whoever the new, his new O-line coaches. Well, three different, three different drafts, CBS sports, ESPN have Cosme going 54 to the Colts and the Colts have a solid O-line pro. I mean, they, every year they have a great O-line, they run the ball. So that might be a great place for him to get developed and not have to play right away. Um, and then Agreed. Joseph Osai, I would love to see him at the Seahawks. CBS has him going to the Seahawks. Um, so does ESPN. Other places have them going to the Bills or the Ravens. I think all of those are good spots. But I would love to – the Seahawks love them some Texas Hell defensive yeah, they do, players. Man. They love Texas yeah, they do. players. So I could see that happening second round. Yeah, I wouldn't mind – I don't know. I, I kind of wouldn't mind him going to the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, yeah, go to a winning team. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, and honestly, like, I feel like whatever the preseason hype was this time last year, and I'm talking specifically, like, Osai versus um, – 
Cosme. You know, of course, two different sides of the ball, but like the hype was more heavily on Sam Cosme than it was Joseph Osai. Joseph Osai kind of had like somewhat of a breakout season. Like he turned some heads for sure. Girl, he he straight up had a huge season. Like, like, I mean, everybody knew he was good, but like he was the difference maker um, on that defense last year. He he opened eyes last year at the Alamo Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, he didn't play the Alamo Bowl. Um, He opened big time eyes in the previous Alamo Bowl, and then he just played well all season. Good luck to them. Okay, here's a question about the draft. Do you see Sam getting drafted? Yes or no? In any of the rounds? I think he was second day. Yeah, I do too. Um, This isn't a very third day. Yeah, I I think he's going way, 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 way late. Like super late, like not even televised. Round six or seven. Well, I mean, because we know that there's, this is a quarterback. I mean, there's a good quarterbacks, obviously Trevor Lawrence, everybody's salivating over. We've got Justin Fields. Fields. A couple of guys. Mac Jones. Right. Mac Mac Jones. Jones. Yeah. This is a strong quarterback (laughs) draft. So in that sense, yeah, it kind of hurts Sammy a little bit, but I will say I mean, the kid is talented enough and sm- football smart. He's got the fo- football acumen. I think a team's going to pick him up and steal him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he will get drafted. I just think it's going to be way the F late in the draft. Six or seven. Seven for sure. For so sure. Because of COVID and like, you know, a couple of other factors, this isn't a very deep draft. Like the pool to draft from is not nearly as big as what it normally is. And apparently next year is going to be like super draft. It's going to be. Super yeah. Draft. Cause you get all the pandemic. So I think that, yeah, I think that um, because of that. And I mean, we have those three QBs at the top that are like, you know, awesome, but then it kind of drops off after that. And we don't have just a whole lot of quarterbacks per se going into this draft. So I do think he gets picked up. I would say, Fingers crossed, maybe the, maybe the end of the second day, definitely about the third day. Um, and, and then he's just a, like, he's so studious and he's a good guy. He's not like a liability for your team. Um, he's obviously talented, hardworking. Here's a question though, whoever he goes to saying he goes to an NFL team, does he stay at quarterback? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I see. And I see your point. Like he's got that big build. Um, he certainly could be, uh, you know, in the, on the college level, I think you could be serviceable at other positions in the NFL. I don't, I think there's too much talent there. I don't think they move him. What I really see for Sam, uh, for his NFL career is much like Colt. He's a career backup, makes good money doing it. Always makes a consistent guy. <laughs> yeah. Always, always a consistent guy. You know, he has, uh, it, it has that leadership quality. I, I, that's where I see Sam ending up in the NFL. Realistically, I I don't see him as a Sunday starter. I see him as a a lifelong backup, but a really solid backup that anybody would be fortunate and happy to have on their team. Yeah. Well, and also like, you kind of never know. I mean, like Tom Brady was kind of somewhat of a, not like a no name Brett Favre. Like these are guys that you didn't expect to be as big as they were. Yeah, you're not wrong there, but they exploded. Yeah, and like, no, those are my guys. But the pass are extraordinaire. Like, he was nominated for a Heisman twice. He has the second highest completion rating right now in college football, period. He was projected to go to the NFL and be like a star. Injuries plagued him, but he has proved himself serviceable as, like you said, a career backup, and he's made a pretty long-term move from it. So, 
who knows? Well, it's it's who just knows? disappointing that there's there's going to be probably five quarterbacks in the top 15 maybe taken. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and that's just probably the top 15 or so. And had Sam Ellinger been in a system that fit him with more or the better O-line to help, he could be in that top. Yeah, and it didn't work out, and I hope if he does get a paycheck, good for him. All right, I have one question for Megan before we move on from NFL oh, God. Talk. Oh, God. Houston Texans. Right. Hey, everything. <laughs> you knew you were going to bring this up. Um, right. I saw a couple of mock drafts <laughs> where maybe fourth or fourth round or so they snag Kellen Mond. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, I'll be the first to say this. I don't have anything. I don't know anything. No, against he seems Kellen like Mond. a good dude. I, I don't want anything against him. Listen, our team is a shit show no matter what. Do I want him running the team? I don't freaking know. I want. Does it? Is it going to matter? Office is what I want. I want a different, like everything at this point. I, I just listen. Omenahu has been pretty vocal oh, about yeah. the the idiotic decisions by the coach in the front office. Um, I think it's a program in complete disarray right now. Um, and they're like not getting any better. <laughs> No, and it's not to oh, it's the, the front office. And I'm saying they this, shouldn't even be allowed to draft players right now. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> listen, until they get their shit together, I, I don't wish like, this is my team. And I don't wish any player has to go to it until they get their collective shit together. I, I think it's a I'm, I'm disappointed perpetually. Listen, again, y'all know this, that that listen, I'm a Lions fan, too. I know what eternal sadness is. And a long horn last fan of a professional team. And I am more disappointed. And maybe it's just because I'm numb to it with the Lions. But to me, the Texans, they are perpetually on the. I mean, we squandered, you know, Hopkins. We squandered Andre. Jay Watt. We, we squandered Jay Watt. We've had incredible talent yeah. where we watch these players go to different teams and have immense success. We just can't get our shit together because the front office and the coaches have just been ridiculous and miserable the entire time that this franchise has existed so would I be upset if Kellen Mond ended up at the Texans no I wouldn't be upset I'd be I'd feel bad for him (laughs) but I wouldn't wouldn't be upset about it I think there's so much more other I think it would destroy his career or potential career all these accusations against Deshaun Watson Watson, you don't know what's happening over there right it's it's just a program in complete disarray and a downward spiral so until they show me that they can pull their heads out of their asses, you know, like I don't know that I can feel feelings about the Texans until. <laughs> All <laughs> right, we'll move on to some positivity. Yeah, let's play yeah, positivity. <laughs> I'm just a Texas volleyball. <laughs> it was a great run. <laughs> it was an incredible run. Listen, I, you know, I, I think we would be ignoring the elephant in the room if we didn't say that the chemistry on this team <laughs> was light years different than it had been previous. The talent, listen, Elliot always brings in incredible talent at Texas. Mm -hmm. There is no argument that he can coach and recruit and, and bring the talent to the Greg or, you know, Mm -hmm. freaking Irwin center for this year. But um, there was, and more and more is coming to light now that a certain player has left uh, that there was some chemistry issues. There was a lot of snarking going on and a lot of shit talking going on behind the scenes. And it's incredible to me that you can remove that one player, that one player chooses to leave. And all of a sudden the sun comes out shining. The sun, yeah. The sun shining. You again. know, all sky, no, no sun. Right. So no sun. It's, it's, it's an incredible shift in a short amount of time, which tells you there were some problems chemistry wise previous, 
you know, this team making the deep run that they did, they took out Penn State, a perennial volleyball school. Mm-hmm. They took out Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Texas took out unbeatable. Big, Big Ten. Yes. Which is knocked his, them out. Yeah. yeah. Which is historically in a, a really solid volleyball. But according conference. to the announcers, the Big Ten still won. Don't worry. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> my, my bad. My bad. And listen, I, I think Texas might have gone in a little um, t- to the championship game, a little. I don't want to say tired. I don't, I don't think they looked tired, but I think they underestimated, you know, me, including Kentucky, you know, I think looking at it, I would have said Wisconsin, Texas was the championship. Right. Um, And so Kentucky, I think came in with a chip on their shoulder. They had something to prove. Texas started off solid uh, and they, they took the first set, but after that Kentucky adjusted and Oh man. And they like, Texas was playing bad volleyball. They just couldn't, they weren't passing. They weren't digging properly. And Kentucky was taking advantage. They were much more consistent than Texas was. Mm -hmm. They were taking advantage of every small mistake and and they counted on it until Texas could fix it. And a lot of times they couldn't. So hats off to Kentucky for their first volleyball national championship. And this is interesting. It's the first SEC volleyball championship. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an insane stat stat for sure. But I like Um, it because I just don't like the SEC. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, Megan, you were totally right. Uh, Texas made all of the unforced errors and Kentucky didn't have any. They played cleaner volleyball. They, like you said, adjusted. We kind of regressed for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like we got. I just think we got in our own heads. I I think Texas. (laughs) Relaxed a bit. I mean, especially coming off that huge, like straight set win over Wisconsin. I kind of felt like it was going to be that it wasn't. Um, we just, they got us on our heels and we couldn't recover, but like they, man, Kentucky was really good and totally deserved of that. They doctor. were really good. Yeah. No, they were I, really I good. Hats like, they didn't Kentucky. make any mistakes. Like, well, I mean, they did, but like, you know what I mean? They just played a cleaner, very, very technically. They were having fun. They looked like they were having a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and the two skin yeah, so, on there playing oh lights out. I mean, again, hats off to Kentucky. No question. At the end of the day, really you know excited. what? Our, our women played for a national title and like, you cannot ask for a whole lot more than that. So right. I'm really excited to see this team come back. We've, we've got a lot of young talent. We've got a lot more, uh, you know, big hitters. Uh, Eggleston is, is an incredible. God, she's so, fun to, watch. Watch. so, so fun to watch. Yeah. So I I'm excited to see what volleyball does and Hannah, to your point, you know, championships are the standard at the university of Texas. And we've had a drought for a while. Uh, you know, of course, diving, swimming and diving never lets us <laughs> down. Golf has been doing well. Tennis has been doing well, even yeah. still obviously are doing well, but championships are the standard. So Elliot getting us back there, you know, he's made some deep tournament runs being in the championship game is right where we want to be. Um, you know, football, I think we have that potential again and basketball now with, with with coach beard coming in, that's the mentality, right? We're seeing that on, on every level of the big sports at this point, Yeah, no effing around. There's no rebuilding screw Mm -hmm. that championship mentality. That's the standard that's being built. Um, and, so and our baseball team's number three right now, Megan. Like, exactly. I, I'm loving to see it. You know, some folks gave Coach Pierce. Let's jump right in. You like that super yeah, smooth segue? Baseball. Yeah, baseball. Let's talk about baseball, y'all. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks gave Coach Pierce some shit when he had that 500 season. You know, we came out in 18, and I think the team was fired up, and 
plan for Augie and made that unexpected college world series run. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, we came back in 19 and, and didn't, didn't finish the so hot. Right. Well, no. uh, finished at 500. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, in 20, the pieces were coming together. They really were. And, and I think that when that season got cut short, there was a lot of expectations again, that championship standard. So we definitely were picking up where we left off uh, with the 20 season, in my opinion, 21, you know, we had that rough start after the, <laughs> after oh, the and three. snowpocalypse, <laughs> but again, I, a lot went into that. We had the Texas fans sky is falling sort of thing, calling for Pierce's head. Um, but again, we were playing against some really highly ranked teams with zero practice because we literally were coming off of a week of being snowed in. The players literally were shuttled straight from their dorms up to Arlington. I'm not upset about it. And after that, hell yeah, we, we went on a run. Texas has looked great. We were, we had a 16 game win streak, which is solid in any sport. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I think undefeated baseball is not a realistic goal. And anybody that thinks that's the, the bottom line, just Play like a million games a year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, there was a, a stretch in there. Ivan Melendez, man, he, came out of nowhere he in the first tournament that we had the sec matchup he had one home run and then just kind of fizzled out and disappeared then all of a sudden dude turned on the jets i think tulo really got this to the him. one they call hispanic yes, titanic. yes the hispanic <laughs> titanic the latino bambino That's hilarious. i love it i love it yeah so it, he had a streak of six games in a row that he hit a home run he actually hit seven home runs in those six games that's a texas record and he was in competition for the ncaa record for most games in a row so uh, you know the hitting is really come on zubia has come out of freaking I, I shouldn't say nowhere he was putting in a lot of work he looked solid beginning in 2020 but zubes used to have this swing man i used to call it his golf swing he would swing at anything low uh, to try to power it out that way. And you've really seen the effects of the hitting coaches coming in because not only is Zubia just a solid first baseman, he will, you get it anywhere in his area. He's going to get that runner out at first. His hitting has improved so, so much. He's got, he's got a much stronger stance. He's looking for the right pitches. He's waiting. He's gotten a lot more patient and he's not wood chipping, you know, he's not going after that golf swing hit. So it's not like, you know, getting out of the sand trap here. <laughs> right. Daly's really stepped up. You know, Daly's a young player that did well last year, but again, kind of came out of, I, I shouldn't say nowhere because he was on the radar, but he's really developed his game. Uh, his hitting has been solid. His on-base percentage is insane, you know, and then Feltini, in my opinion, is one of the most skilled and impressive players on the field period, but especially I would say in that shortstop's position in all of college baseball, he's really been making some incredible plays, uh, you know, athletic plays. He's got a real smart head. He knows exactly where he needs to get the ball and how he needs to do it there. So we we're doing well, you know, we've got, our pitching is getting deeper um, and we're seeing the fruitions of, of Pierce's again, that championship standard, that, that training all day, every day, go hard, play, you know, practice hard, I think we're starting to see that come through and Texas is, in my opinion, really flourished with the additional coach, you know, NCAA changed the rules to bring on an additional assistant coach. And, and we've taken advantage of that. It's pretty incredible that we've got, you know, MLB talent in our dugout that our, our players can pick their minds at any point in the game. And, and that's, that's the thing that a lot of programs don't have. It's 
impressive what baseball is doing. I'm really excited to watch this season play out. We've got Tech coming up. That's a huge series. Are they playing here, right? Yeah, Tech coming up this weekend uh, in Austin. Tech has faltered a little bit, but they're still ranked number 11, I believe it is. Um, they faltered a little bit. They've they've kind of showed their ass in a few of their <laughs> few of their games, but Texas should take the series at home. But never underestimate Tech right. and how much the the Raiders hate Texas. Hate Texas. So. Yeah, that's certainly a thing. And then the weekend after that, this is kind Woo! of murderer's row. Yes. Texas just finished out the series in Oklahoma State, a ranked team. I think they, are, they were 14 at the time. Um, took the series, dropped the last game. Uh, then we play Tech this weekend. And then we go in to Fort, Fort Worth, Worth and play uh, Schloss. And, and the very formidable TCU team. And the two teams are tied for first place right now, right? Tied first. Yeah. Uh, Texas got a little bit of help last weekend uh, when they dropped that series finale against uh, OSU. Kansas came out of friggin' nowhere and beat TCU. So wow. again, TCU took the series, but they lost that last game. So kept us tied. Texas has played in more games. We in, in our Big 12 record is identical. So Texas gets the edge in the sense that we've got a better winning percentage because we played more games overall. But in the Big 12, yes, we are tied. Big 12 is an incredibly strong baseball conference. I I would argue, you know, right up there with the SEC, I would argue you take that SEC matchup and take these Big 12 teams. And when we match up again in the College World Series, I think we see a very, very different outcome uh, than we did at the beginning of this season. So um, really excited to see where this team is going. And I, I, I'm going to say this now, the way too early prediction. I think Texas, we are going to put in a strong bid for regional. I think Texas gets a regional, a super regional. I think we make it to the wow. College World Series. I think we make a deep run. Uh, I'm excited for this team. I think we've got that kind of talent. So I hope so. Let's just stay healthy. and. Yeah, I, I okay. love it. Yeah. Uh, so Talk about success, right? We'll we'll continue with this championship All this standard <laughs> and the, the mentality. You know, Coach Beard coming in, and you know, I, I don't mind dabbling on pissing off the Raiders either. Basketball? <laughs> no, no, don't mind. We're flying through. We, we have are. so much to talk about. We are. All right. Since we last talked, Chris Beard, you know, he was hired on April the first. Within a couple of days, he had to go tell the Texas Tech fans, "Calm down, I love you," because they were classy about him leaving. As always. As, As always. And I think the biggest talk, of course, off season, the staff he put together was incredible. He's brought on two former head coaches, right? Rodney Terry from UTAP, Chris Ogden from UT, um, UT Arlington. He brought in KU staff, some T, uh, Texas Tech staff. So he's putting together a pretty impressive coaching staff that wanted to come with him to Texas. Yeah. Okay. So of, of last year's players that they had talent recruited, you know, um, Shockhead recruited really well. Um, Brock Cunningham will be back. Jay Febris says he's coming back. Andrew Jones is back for his 40th year. Um, <laughs> we, have, we don't know yet. As far as today, we still don't know about Greg Marco, Sims or Courtney Ramey. We don't know. Um, he did get a commit. The, the guy who flipped Jalen Tyson mm-hmm. who flipped from Texas tech, who said he wants to play at Texas. And the transfers, that is the big talk. The coming in from other four-star point guard, Devin Askew from KU, four-star forward, Timmy Allen from Utah, three-star power forward, Dylan Dissoufbaum, Hendrickson Round Rock, who went to Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. and is back Mm -hmm. in Texas, and three-star forward, Christian Bishop from Creighton. So that lineup on paper could be better than what we just had fielded this past year. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, we 
we had a special team. We we, we stumbled out of the <laughs> out of the starting blocks. Obviously, did not the tourney didn't end up. I will always say, and I will always support Shaka Smart. I think he's a great human. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think this played out in a way that everybody can be happy with. I'm excited for Beard. Yes. The thing that I love that he came in, one thing that I think is understated, like we all are aware of it, but I don't think it's given enough credit. Beard knows exactly what the University of Texas is about. As you I, mentioned, yes. this is alma mater. He's no idiot, right? And Lubbock, he certainly had... God, the city of Lubbock handed on a silver platter. I don't know what that, I mean, he was in Lubbock, was the the reports are that they were willing to offer him a lifetime contract um, for 6 million plus a year, a renewing lifetime contract. And he didn't even consider it. Beard wanted to come to Austin. There's no question. And I, I don't see how you fault a guy for wanting to go back to his alma mater and, and be with a program and have the chance to advance a program that has historically underperformed, especially recently, um, but has all of the pieces, has all of the money, the talent, the the facilities, that's all there with, you know, Moody coming in. And yeah, to me, that's a no brainer. The guy yeah. wanted to be back in, in Austin. You can't blame him for that. Um, I think what I've been most impressed with, with Beard, and I said this with Sark too, when we first hired him, I was okay with the hire. I thought it was a solid hire, but it wasn't until we watched the staff that he was putting together that I was like, Oh shit. I'm really like, yes. And staff and then came is following that exact same pattern. He's going after coaches and assistants that we are going to have a hard time holding onto. And I love that. That's what yeah. I want. I don't like that. We, we lost Andrea Huddy, you know, with strength and conditioning from KU, but we brought in beards guy. I, I think we all knew that was kind of changing the guard was going to happen. Rocky, you mentioned we brought on two, former head coaches, right? Literally they left head coaching positions to come be assistants. I can't recall any program in any sport pulling two head, pulling coaches. two head coaches, two of them, yeah. head coaches to come be assistants at a, at a school. So I think that right there speaks to the mentality. Um, this is a stacked program with talent on the coaching side and I think there's a lot of buy-in behind the scenes on what. Yeah, I was going to say, like, clearly the athletic department, like, has all their ducks in a row behind the scenes and they're, like, fully supportive. And I don't know that that was, well, it wasn't always there, especially recently. So that's a that's a good thing. So, Rocky, you were skeptical about Beard at first. I know you were. I still am. Until he wins big, right. I right. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't proved anything to me yet. Like, I'm glad that people want to come play at Texas because he's here. But his resume still isn't blowing me away. I mean, it was kind of Shaka's big final four hoopla resume. I tell you the difference though is again, Megan, what you just, you know, talked about the assistant staff that he was able to pull together much like Sarkeesian. And then two, um, really when you get down to it, what Beard did at tech was pretty impressive. Like he took these kind of leftover recruits. I mean, they weren't bad, but like he took what he had and made them like, play for a championship. He understands what's required um, of him at UT. He has that ability to like put guys where he needs them and make it kind of like what Sarkeesian is doing. He's able to maximize the talent that he has and put them where they're best suited. And I think that's why, that's why I think that he, he'll do well. So. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think what I hope I'm seeing is that 
Beard identifies talent, not just on the court, but also right. with his assistance. And I think any great, I mean, hell, look at Saban, right? Let's, let's, we're going to cross a little over to football here, of course, but Nick Saban, no doubt is an excellent coach, but what makes him truly a champion he's out. is that he's constantly finding the best talent to put around him. And he's constantly building, you know, taking those top, top coaches around him. It's a head coach's job to, to coordinate not coach every single aspect. Right. Of you don't micromanage. Team. It's all about like maximizing the guys right under you who then maximize the guys right under them. And so he's able to like find and put them exactly where they're going to be, you know, best right. season. Yeah. So what I've seen so far and Rocky, I agree with you. I'm not going to, you know, hand him the keys to the city or anything at this point. Got to prove <laughs> well, football, him. The same way though. Like, I mean, but what I'm liking so far is that he's definitely stepping up, putting the right pieces in, and he's going aggressively after that transfer portal. He's not talking, and he mentioned this in his, when he was brought in, he's not talking about rebuilding. He's right. not talking about a few years down the road. F that. He wants to be successful. Championship mentality now. And I think we're seeing, especially with these recent acquisitions, that he's got that, he, he's doing all the right things to be competitive yeah. this, this upcoming year. Um, I, I will say, I think something, I think the players that still haven't declared, you know, Brown, uh, Sims and Ramey, I think they've been put on notice. You know, I, I think Beard wants them back with the program, having some of that, uh, experience there, I think really helps, but realistically, this is a whole new team and Greg Brown, especially, I think he could use another year at Texas, especially under a coach. Um, I think yeah, he absolutely. a lot from Shaka. I know he's a Shaka loyalist, um, but I think he can learn a lot from Beard. And I think there's a lot of room for him to grow. Um, mm -hmm. But I think what Beard is doing with bringing in these portal transfer guys is saying, listen, I want you to play for Texas. We're going to build something special here, but I'm not going to wait forever. Right. So I can go get somebody else. I don't think we wait. I, I, I hope that here in the next week or two, we have some sort of clarity on, on where we're at with those three guys, because I don't see coach Beard waiting that much. He's longer. not going to wait around. No, he's, you know, he's like, I've got a program to run. I'm going to go find them. If you're not going to hang around then like Godspeed, but, and I like that. I like that decisiveness. I like that direction. We're waiting on those here officially from those three. Okay. So women's basketball, let's cover that real quick. That was great. I hope Chris Beard does great. Um, has <laughs> done great. <laughs> Elite eight. Megan and I went to the game yeah, and because, and because we were there, Texas scored only 34. <laughs> oh God. Listen, I'll put that juju on you, not me. It, and the sombrero was in the house the and everything. I know, I and and was... yeah. And Megan had the cape and we <laughs> failed y'all. Sorry. We tried. We drove down last minute to San, San Antonio, but the margaritas were really good. We were good. Dinner was great. Solid. I tried to go back to that place on Saturday, but the wait list was too long. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So uh, the women, they were in the, uh, tournament they got past Bradley they beat UCLA they huge upset over Maryland right. that was yeah. a great game they got to South, uh, South Carolina against South Carolina the elite eight and they got oh, run at the gym yeah. but they were all they're still ahead of schedule that was a great a great run they well coached but yeah. Ross Taylor transferring out Charisma mm -hmm. Ortiz transferring out mm -hmm. Charlie uh, Collier obviously went to the went oh yeah can we talk about that number but, one like, and she looked like number one baller she, she was a gorgeous gorgeous she's always always a baller and and you know she's 
again, just got that, that basketball acumen. She's always on top of it. Smart player puts in a ton of hard work. I'm really excited to see how she does in Dallas. It's awesome. She's from Houston, played in Austin. Now she's in Dallas. So she's a, she's a Texas girl. Like a little triangle there. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, watching Vic Schaefer, you know, Mississippi state was upset when we stole him. So um, that's always a good sign. It's always a good sign when people are mad that a coach leaves, upset that a coach leaves. So I, I think we're up for for good good things uh, with Schaefer, and I'm hoping that we see some development quickly. I will say it's going to be a little bit easier now Tiny that bit. now that Mulkey is no longer in the Big Twelve. I know we all got some thoughts God. on that. Ugh, I don't. I thank God I don't have to like look at her every season anymore. Oh God, listen to her. Ugh, have fun, LSU. That's all I have to say. Yeah, look. From one Title IX disaster to another. Yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take this damn mask off. Because <laughs> I have a lot to say. I say shut up. <laughs> yeah, look. You ratchet old ratchety woman. <laughs> She, uh, all I, somebody she mentioned it. Just the, the combination of her and Ed Orgeron like together is going to be like, well, yeah, uh, entertaining so at the least. Coach O, until this recent like rape stuff that's come up, I'm I'm super disappointed. At least he was campy and entertaining. Mulkey is just mean. Mean. She's, She's just a mean, bad person. I, I just don't care for her as a human being. Right. You know, with with the the further victimization with the the rape scandal that happened at Baylor, the way that she said, oh, if anybody complains about that or talks about worrying about their daughter's safety, punch him in the face. Like that shows an utter in, you know, how things played out with Brittany Griner. I think it just shows an utter disregard for, for women and for her players. And, and, uh, you know, just a quick commentary on LSU picking him up. I used to enjoy LSU a lot. I've, I've never had a problem with them, but I really feel especially in these past five years, they're showing their, their true colors and what their culture, what kind of culture they're okay with. And it ain't great. Um, You know, we've seen that LSU is attempting to hire their athletic director as their president. Oh my God. If anybody knows anything about, you know, presidents at universities, that's, that's not a similar job to being athletic director. There's a lot more that goes into it. To me, this feels very much like a thinly veiled attempt at avoiding internal investigation right. over the rape allegations it's not even of the thinly football. Veiled. It's, like it's not thinly veiled at all. Right. And then the hire of Mulkey, uh, you know, I think that just furthers that, that perception. Don't worry, honey. She's home. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, look, I don't think it's any, any uh, surprise to anybody that pays even the slightest bit of attention to the crap I put on Twitter. <laughs> I am not a fan of Mulkey. I've never been a fan of Mulkey. I will say, you know, a lot of folks are saying, oh, Baylor's got to be really upset. From what I understand of folks that have contact with the Baylor brass, uh, they're not upset. They've wanted to get rid of Mulkey for a while because of her attitude and her demands. And yeah, I mean, she was successful. She won a national title two years but ago. She, so right, like- but she's been so successful, they couldn't just get rid of her. So I think this is probably on all sides. I think not that I'm ever going to give Baylor any credit, but I think they are probably just as happy with her being her leaving and getting a contract somewhere else as, as they could have been. So, so again, I think that if, if an institution like Baylor is not upset about, I think that says all you need to know about their, like about her character though. You know what I mean? Right. So Um, I don't want to harp on her too much. I think I'm not going to do well. I'm glad she's out. I think she's an incredibly 
uh, intelligent basketball coach. I think she, she gets a lot out of, out of her, out of, you know, she's had success. I'm not going to say she hasn't. I, it's foolish to say she's not a good basketball coach, but I just, you know, the, the, she's not the kind that you want on your team. Like you don't want that. I wouldn't let my daughter play for yeah. her. The, la- the last time I hear from that woman will be, you know, yeah, too soon. Too, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So yeah, I wouldn't let my daughter play for her. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. She makes some pretty good memes. So no, she's great to laugh at. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Except she really hurts people. So anyway. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap it up, ladies. I think we covered football, baseball, <laughs> basketball. A lot. It's a lot, y'all. <laughs> I think soccer might be I don't know. We should talk about golf just won a championship. Yeah. I don't know. We Guinness have- is on fire. Oh my God. There's so it's a great day to be a longhorn. I think the women just won a big 12 championship, didn't they? Or the men were competing for one. I don't know, but so much going on. All right. So we're going to get, we're going to not make it so long till we talk again. (laughs) All right. Until the next time I'm Rocky. I'm Megan. And I'm Hannah. And we are fire the cannon. Yes, sir.